Hello, welcome to the podcast. Uh, this episode we're talking uh, news, delving into the wide world of the news, which is leading us into discussions of Madonna, um, paedophilia, uh, autism and cake, surprisingly enough. Um, but before all of that, let's listen to some 8-bit music, shall we? Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Um, uh, I'm Daniel Swan. It is currently Sunday the 6th of March 2016. Do you know where your children are? Um, uh, hopefully safe, I'd imagine. Safe and uh, safe and sound. Um, or in the future, if you don't have children yet and you, you, you're going to have children in the future. Or just, you know, if you've made the choice to not have children, which is absolutely valid, just that, you know, that they remain remain unfertilized um there's not as as much of a you know obviously the initial kind of biological urge is a very you know um evolutionary thing it's the propagation of a species but i think we're at the point now that we don't really need you know if 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 a few of us don't have kids then it's not gonna you know put us too much um in the shitter um on an evolutionary scale to be honest it'll probably do the planet a lot of good if a few of us don't have kids um so that's something to think of this is a weird diversion to be getting onto so quickly um, never mind. Um, it's raining uh, at the moment. It's absolutely pissing it down, which I'm getting a bit bored with now. Um, as I, I think I've probably mentioned it on the podcast, I moved to Seattle from London um, last November, last October, um, and so we've been here for a few months now. And then, uh, and it's you know obviously pretty rainy because it's Seattle, and that's that's you know Jimi Hendrix and rain. That's what it's kind of known for. Um. But then a, a news story came to my attention at the tail end of February saying that it was actually the wettest winter in Seattle history. So perfect time to move, perfect time to move. We are nothing if not uh, wonderful with the timing, the wife and I. Um, so it's yeah, raining very heavily outside. The wife is not with me today. She is um, on a business trip like a bloody fancy person. Um, so that's all very exciting for her. She's off having fun and eating lovely food and seeing things and, um, also working, also working. Um, and so I'm footloose and fancy free. It's just me and the, me and the dog. So we are both pretty dirty, uh, at this stage, both sitting in our own, um, filth, uh, as we will remain, uh, until about an hour before she returns home on Tuesday. But until then, what a perfect opportunity to do a podcast. Um, it's going to be a slightly different for a slightly different podcast um, than we've had before. Um, last, the, 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 most of the ones so far have been fairly heavily f- movie-related, just because it's a big part of my life. Um, but I, I want to try and turn this into a, a kind of a segmenty kind of thing, so there's different segments in each one. There won't necessarily be in every one, but that, I don't know. Um, so I'm going to try that today. Um, and the first segment that we're going to do is a kind of a newsy thing. Um, I'd like to come up with a better name for it something more interesting than just news um 
but for the life of me, I can't really think of anything uh, off the top of my head. So we're going to have a little jingle um, that wasn't written by me, wasn't performed by me. Most of the jingles that I have are written and performed by me, and you can tell because they're absolute horseshit. Um, but this was written by uh, and, and created by my good friend Rob Passard, who is a, a, a wonderful music person. Um, so uh, yeah, with with vocals um, by me, vocal additions um, by me, just to give it a little bit more. Make it a bit more legit. I mean, everyone likes instrumental, sure, but they're never going to get to number one unless it's by The Shadows. Weird old reference there. Um, so, yeah, let's listen to a jingle uh, and then let's start talking about some news. Um, it'll all be news. Oh, I'll explain this later. News! News. Current affairs. Stuff that's happened. People being awful. News. So there we go. That's the jingle. Um, and a wonderful jingle it is. I'm sure you'll agree. Um, lessened. Made worse by my um, uh, ramblings over the top of it. But, I mean, that's what I do. That's just what I do. Um, so, yeah, having lived in, in America for a, a few months um, now and not really having watched... I tried to watch a bit of the news at the very start. Um because you know you want to you want to try and get involved and work out what you know what's the place that I'm living in now. Let's get involved. Let's 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 learn of the people that I'm you know meeting and interacting with on a day to day basis. Um, but news over here is absolute toss. Um, it's not news. It's just terror. It's just fear and. Um, it's it's the the television equivalent of just constantly jumping out at people and going Duh! um which is not news but really you get little kind of snippets um when they do the kind of you know an advert in the middle of another show um saying stay tuned for uh Como 7 news at seven o'clock where you'll find out the latest and it's literally like you'll find out the latest um uh medical condition that could affect your family it's like why let's just have happy things i'll learn about that as and when i contract it but let's just let's not just try and put the willies up everybody shall we shall we do that let's do that um so i don't really want to do any news from over here um where possible um because it is it is toss um but in a different way because the the news that i'm gonna do is from the uk um, from my homeland, just so I can kind of keep keep tabs on what's going on over there, that it, life hasn't completely um, been decimated by my absence from those fair isles. Um, and long-time listeners to the podcast and po- listeners to the previous version of the podcast will know um, that when it comes to news, there's only one place that I'll get my news from, and that's the Sun newspaper. Now, the Sun newspaper, for those of you who don't know, maybe some Americans or... or um, I don't know, anyone from anywhere else in the world. Uh, the Sun newspaper is, is the number one... Well, it was at least, used to be. I'm not sure if it still is, but it was the number one newspaper in um, in the UK. It's the, the widest read newspaper of all of the newspapers. Um, and that's because it's stupid. It's, it's kind of similar, I suppose, to American news in that it's incredibly sensationalised um, and that there are lots of... Um, trials and so forth that have been going on for the the lack of ethics the lack of morals of of sun uh, newspaper journalists um and so it's really it's a it's a load of old toss it's a load of old toss um which makes news interesting because a lot of the time for me i you know i'm 
I'm a man who's stuck in, in other worlds. I'm, I'm stuck in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm stuck in the Marvel 616 Universe, the DC Multiverse. Um, I'm stuck in any number of other Star Wars universe. You know, there are a lot of other more interesting universes than ours. Uh, and so when we learn about stuff that's going on here you know there was a, a, a dog and he was stuck in a, a gate and then a man came and he cut the gate and then the dog was, was allowed to leave and it was fine that's not interesting when you're talk, when you're trying to kind of compete with you know a galactic conquest of some kind or some kind of alien invasion or um a demon possessing somebody and making them kill lots of goats i don't know what it is but it makes things interesting so you need in order to compete our universe um and our planet um needs to jazz up its um news now this sounds very hypocritical because i have just had a go at american news for doing exactly the same thing but i don't know maybe it's maybe it's the brit in me maybe maybe it's because i'm a londoner that I give the sun a little bit more um, leeway. Just because I, I feel like it's funnier. I feel like they do bad news in a funny way. America does bad news in a, a kind of quite a scary, um, depressing way. Um, so that's that's the choice that I've made. So I'm going to be taking all of my news stories from the sun.co.uk. Uh, um, if, you, if you like what you hear, log on every now and again. It is, um, it is generally pretty good for a chuckle. Um, and we're going to start... Um, with a story about um, one of my favourite um, recording artists of all time. No, not favourite. Um, least favourite uh, recording artist of all time. Not necessarily because of the music that she's made, uh, but just because of the person that she is. Uh, it's Madonna. It's that iconic role model for anyone looking to grow old gracefully. Uh, Madonna. So let's find out um, what's what Madonna's been up to recently. Um... Two days before Mother's Day, it is of course uh, the UK Mother's Day um, today, and happy Mother's Day to all mothers um, out there, um, regardless of you know whether you're a good mum, just you know, just have a nice day, fuck it. Um, two days before Mother's Day, Madonna choked up on stage as she dedicated a song to her son, Rocco, um, which of course... Uh, what finer name could there be um, for a young man? Um, the pop star, 57, is in the midst of a bitter custody battle over the 15-year-old with her ex-husband, Guy Ritchie. Performing in Auckland, New Zealand, Madge introduced her cover of the Edith Piaf ballad La Vie en Rose by telling the audience, there is no love stronger than a mother for a son. Um, which, whilst... I can get on board with to a point. I do feel like it sells daughters a little bit short. Um, that's something that I, you know, a love for her, a mother for her child. I would absolutely get on board with. There's that kind of innate, um, uh, kind of motherly lioness protective vibe. Um, but I, I, yeah, I do kind of feel like it's daughters as well as sons. But anyway, she's she's adapting it for her own means, and that's absolutely fine. And if I talk about him too much, I might cry. Now, for me. And maybe this is one of the one of the reasons, one of the the only a handful of reasons why um, I haven't become a worldwide recording recording artist. Um, if you're worried that if you talk about your son too much that you're going to cry, just don't talk about him at all. I mean, is that is that a thing? Is that a fair thing to say? You know, um, it's the same thing of like I don't know if I like if I was on a massive diet and I knew that. Do you know what? If I 
if I eat too much cake, I'm just going to get fat. I'm going to get fat. I'm gonna, it's going to undo all the fine work that I've done with my exercises and my salad consumption. Um, so I, I, you know, I can't really eat too much cake. I'm just going to have a little bit. No, don't do that. Have no cake because having that little mm, that little taste of cake will, um, you know, that's just going to make you want to have all of the cake. Just, uh, I, I would like some cake. Who's got cake? Nobody's got cake. I'm on my own. It's just me and the dog, and the dog does not have cake. Um, yeah, so just don't don't mention it. Don't don't talk about your son. Although, having said that, like I say, she is a fairly canny um, pop star. I think she knows that the audience is gonna like. Oh my god, I was there. I don't know what would it be. New Zealand. I was there, and she was kind of uh, willing up because of her son. And it was, I can't do like a kind of gushing camp New Zealand accent. I just have to go for Jermaine from Flight of the Concords. Um, she actually started willing up and it was quite emotional. And I feel very pleased and proud that I was present at this gig, gig, gig. I don't know. I had it there for a bit and then I fucking lost it. Um, yeah, they would probably love it. They'd be like, oh my God, it was like I was just right there. And it was like, I felt like I was connected to Madge. I felt like I was connected to her. Um, and yeah, so she she sang a song. She dedicated a song to her, um, uh, to him. Uh, and the song was uh, La Vie en Rose by Edith Piaf. Now, it's not a, it's not a, um, a, a song that I'm particularly familiar with. Um, I know that it was the name of the film that they made with Marion Cotillard, uh, which my wife saw and said it was one of the most depressing films that she's ever seen in her life. So I took the, uh, I took the liberty of looking up the lyrics out of this particular song. So this is um, La Vie en Rose, uh, translated, of course, um, from the original French into uh, English. Um, so La Vie en Rose actually translates into Life in Rosy Hues, which is... Um, which is uh, Hughes as in H-U-E-S not like this is this is you know I've had a lot of sex with a woman named Rosie Hughes and this is a song about my life within Rosie Hughes um although that would be a wonderful I wonder if Weird Al's going to do a parody of that that's I mean he's he's had plenty of time left your own fucking old song anyway let's crack on um eyes that gaze into mine a smile that is lost on his lips that is the unretouched portrait of the man to whom I belong. When he takes me in his arms and speaks softly to me, I see life in rosy hues. I've ruined that now, haven't I? Um, he tells me words of love, words of every day, and in them I become something. He has entered my heart, a part of happiness whereof I understand the reason. It's he for me and I for him throughout life. He has told me, he has sworn to me for life. And from the things that I sense, now I can feel within me my heart that beats. In endless nights of love, a great delight that comes about. The pains and bothers are banished. Happy, happy to die of love. And then it just kind of repeats the other bit. Now, I know celebrities are weird. And I know that in the world of weird celebrities, Madonna is kind of up there. She's She's got her own category um, of weird celebrities. There was a, a, a list of um, demands, like after her and Guy Richard split up, I guess 
probably from this kid of like when he was staying with Guy Ritchie because she's all into Kabbalah. Is it Kabbalah? The kind of Jewish yoga thing? I don't know. Um, and there was all these like crazy list of demands and things that he had to do and had to could only eat this and he could only drink this and stuff. Um, so she's obviously three sheets to the wind. She's mental. However, this is a, this is a step above. If you're going to dedicate a song to your son, don't pick a song like this. Now, I don't know. I'm sure there are plenty of other songs out there, love songs, love songs, absolutely love songs, that are a little bit more platonic maybe, a little bit more, um, I don't know, uh, could be in- interpreted as the love for between a mother and a son. I'm sure there are millions of songs out there like that. And whilst this song doesn't necessarily explicitly mention P going into the G, um, I don't know, when he takes me in my, in his arms and speaks softly to me, um, he has entered my heart. Anytime in a song the word entered is um, is uttered, then there's... there's Inferences could be made, I suppose. Uh, and then, of course, in Endless Nights of Love. <sighs> when, you've, <laughs> when, you've got a, when you've got a song like that and you're dedicating that kind of song to your son, is it any wonder, as the, the um, article says right at the end, um, Rocco previously refused to spend Christmas with his mother in New York, preferring to stay in London with his dad? Can you blame him? Can you blame him if your mother wants to spend endless nights of love with you? I don't know. For me, the the, the big head scratcher in this, as with any story about Madonna, um, is Guy Ritchie. Like, who, who fucking gets into a relationship with Madonna and thinks to themselves, yeah, this will probably work out well, won't it? This will probably work out drama-free. Guy, mate, what are you doing? That was a nice little jingle, wasn't it? I just got it from one of the uh, loops on uh, Apple Garage Band. Um, we're, we're going now to um, harder hitting topics, leaving the fluff um, of Madonna's um, uh, child estrangement to one side. Um, leave that in the in, in the dust, and we're moving on to something a lot harder hitting. Um, of course, I'm referring. Of course, uh, I'm referring to soap operas. Now, soap operas are um, often mocked, well, American soap operas often mocked, um, at least in a kind of uh, a broader sense for, in terms of what we get over in the UK. Um, I'm thinking most keenly of um, Joey in uh, Friends playing Dr. Drake Ramore in Days of Our Lives uh, and some of the storylines that are posited uh, as being on that show are um, deliberately absurd and ridiculous. Um, you know, alien abductions and... Um, face transplants and brain transplants and all of this kind of stuff. Um, but, and so they're, they're ridiculous, but the ones that we've got at home um, in the UK are all right. Whereas the, the concept of a soap opera is, is inherently ridiculous because real life is actually fairly mundane and, and boring and fun things happen, but they're, they're pretty, they're pretty padded out with a lot of filler. There's, you know, there's some, bolognese sauce but there's a lot of pasta to get through to get to that delicious bolognese sauce even though that's a very poor analogy because i fucking love pasta um but this 
this story um, is about um, one such uh, soap that it feels, um, aside from the inherent ridiculousness uh, of, of having interesting things happening sometimes three times a week, that they're looking a little bit more amateurish. Um, on top of that, let's um, let's dive in. The Corrie cast. Now, this is this is an interesting thing with the Sun. It's such a familiar newspaper, such a, a kind of it talks to you like your is buddy, uh, essentially. At no point um, does it at, at any point. I don't think so. Because um, obviously, this is about Coronation Street, the um, the soap Coronation Street, which is set in in the North. Um. But it, they've just shortened it to Corrie, and they're just they're just assuming that you know what it is. Um, I just, yeah, I just think that's a weird way of doing journalism. Anyway, the Corrie cast are furious with ITV bosses for refusing to fork out for real props. Actress Bev Callard, Bev, not Beverly, Bev, she's your friend, uh, is among those sick of being made to look like quote amateurs using cheap fakes. Show sources say, and again. Very legit show sources, um, so they're not even saying what job they do on the thing. Not like, come on. Chiefs are under pressure after the Liz McDonald star, so that's the actress that um, Beverly Callard plays, and others begged for a budget for items such as flowers, glassware, and decorations. Now, the idea that there isn't a budget at all they're asking for some kind of budget is worrying because there should be a budget. There should be some kind of budget. Um, one source told The Sun on Sunday, every time the cast has to work with something like flowers or a cake, it's fake. This week they filmed a scene where Steve McDonald gave his wife Michelle a bunch of flowers and they obviously weren't real. The stars are all furious because they want proper things to work with. It is a distraction for them to be using a rubbish prop. They are convinced that the audience can tell and it makes them look daft. Now, daft is, again, um, a, a northern expression meaning silly. Bev is particularly sick of it and has told staff they need a budget for props unless they want the whole soap to look like, quote, within a quote, amateurville. Um, which is an odd, I don't know, that doesn't seem like it's used right. Um this week, viewers saw Andy Carver, played by Oliver Farnworth, pouring wine into two mismatched glasses. Meanwhile, Helen Worth's character, Gail Rodwell, presented a sloppily iced cake at daughter Sarah Platt's baby shower. The source added, The props issue has become a real problem for the cast. It makes it worse that the items are all cheap ones. How much would it cost to buy a simple bunch of flowers or a cake? It's not like they're asking for Swarovski diamonds to act with. They don't feel like they're asking for the earth. And of course, they aren't asking for the earth because Swarovski diamonds... Um, I mean, I, I hate Swarovski diamonds um, with uh, a burning, tangible passion. I hate jewellery, full stop. Um, it's something that, that a lot of people know about me. Um, I loathe it um, in, a, in a kind of biological... Um, not phobic, but I, d I don't like touching it. I don't like handling it. It just... It's, it's to me, it's like a magpie stealing a bit of foil to put in its nest, which a little bit of Googling just revealed is not an actual thing. That doesn't actually happen. But it's that kind of vibe where it's just tarting yourself up with some kind of shiny um, thing to, so people look at you. Like, I, I just think it's, it's like, um, like a hermit crab of some kind, like just dragging these, these 
very fake, very um, unnatural things onto you. And it all feels cold and dead and it looks all shiny and gross. Um, and when you're thinking of shiny and gross things, nothing is worse um, than, than Swarovski. Um, because, of course, it's not actually diamonds. It's not actually jewels. It's not actually whatever it's, it's purporting to be. And how much... So they're not asking for Swarovski diamonds. So what they're asking for is less than Swarovski diamonds. Now, I don't know how much Swarovski diamonds um, cost. It's never been something that has crossed into my life. I've never bought jewellery um, for a wife, girlfriend, or sensual lover. Um, and so I, I have absolutely no idea, no no bar to, to realise how little Coronation Street are asking for, or their cast are asking for. So I did a little Googling. Um, and you can buy from Fire Mountain Gems and Beads, in case you're interested. Um, you can buy, <coughs> excuse me, a pack of 144 Swarovski diamonds for $6.16 plus $5 shipping. Now, if we take away the shipping, because obviously that's not um, uh, being factored in there, that's $6.16, that's about four quid for 144 diamonds. So Coronation Street, rightly so, are complaining because they're asking for absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. They're asking for uh, nothing at all, really. And whilst I... Whilst I can get on board with them asking for real flowers, because real flowers look different from fake flowers, and that's going to take you out of the scene. Um, the cake thing, like I think it's unrealistic. If if the cake isn't going to be cut up and eaten, I think it's unrealistic to expect or to, to require that a cake be a real cake and not some kind of facade. And the quality of icing, which seems to be one of their issues... Um, Helen Worth's character, Gail Rodwell, presented a sloppily iced cake at daughter Sarah Platt's baby chair. Just have a go at the... I mean, A, have a go at the um, props department, if you want to have a go at anyone. And B, don't necessarily have a go at the props department, because maybe the choice that they've made is that the character of Gail Rodwell is not a great icer. It's not an easy thing to do, guys. Yeah, and if you don't have the proper tools... Now, my mum is fantastic at making cakes. Fant a wonderful icer. I would hold her up as, as you know, um, a champion of icing. Um, probably, as far as I can tell, um, best in the southeast of London. Who's going to disagree with that? I don't know. Um, but it's not always easy. I've had a go at icing cakes before, and it's it, it can be pretty tricky. Maybe Gail Rodwell, as a character, doesn't hold slick icing to be uh, a particularly important thing for her daughter's baby shower. Who knows? Um, what does make me laugh, what does really make me laugh, and I have no idea why it makes me laugh so much. Um, so they've got um, pictures to um, illustrate how serious this is. Um, one of them uh, is of Beverly Callard, the uh, named actress uh, in the story. And the caption to that is furious dot dot dot. Actress Bev Callard is said to be, quote, particularly sick of it. Um, she's wearing all black in the picture, which leads me to believe that she, this might be a picture taken at a funeral. I'm not sure if she thinks it's that important. It's like funeral important. Um, but who knows? I don't know Beverly Callard. She might be very particular about her craft. The other picture is a picture of Gail Rodwell, played by actress Helen Worth. And she is holding this, <laughs> this lovely ice cake. Uh, she looks very happy about it. She's not letting her potential disappointment show. But something about the um, something about the caption has really tickled me, and I've got no no understanding why. The caption <laughs> the caption is here we go. Embarrassment dot dot dot. Gail Rodwell brackets Helen Worth 
holding a messy cake. <laughs> Why is this news? This isn't news at all. The sun strikes again. Gail Rodwell holding a messy cake. Thanks, son. Yeah, that was a less pleasant jingle, wasn't it? I'll, 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 the next one will be nicer. The next one will be nicer. Um, we're taking a, a slight route, uh, a slight detour now um, into the world of uh, paedophilia. No, not paedophilia, actually. Not uh, Well, the story is about paedophilia. It's basically a story about um, the son of um, Fred West and Rose West um, being a paedophile. Um, now, that isn't the story... Of course, because that isn't news. Um, the son of two serial killers turns out to be a wrong'un? I never saw it coming. Um, no, the story is that it has pictures of Fred West and Rose West, um, who, for, for, for those of you who don't know, are serial killers. They have, I think Fred West got convicted like 12 murders and Rose West was at like 10 murders or something. Um, but, and they both look like serial killers. Now, the difficulty that we have is it's possible that the reason that they look like serial killers is because they are serial killers. But I don't think that's the case. I think the reason that they look like serial killers in these photos is because the photos were taken in the 70s. I think it's something that's, that's true for any photo of the 70s where the person isn't smiling. That I th- Maybe because of the, uh, the fashions, maybe because of the, the quality of the photos uh, and, the, and the, the kind of... I mean, these days it would be a bloody filter on Instagram, the kind of 70s serial killer um, filter. But I just as a, a word of advice or a word of warning or just, just a little bit of information, um, if you're listening to this and you're an adult in the 70s, which is zero of you, I'm confident, um, then there there is a picture of you out there because um, I, I guarantee that you didn't smile for every picture that was taken of you. If there was a picture out there where you didn't smile, in that picture, you look like a serial killer. So, um, I don't know, if if you're planning on becoming a serial killer in the future, try not to, try and find that picture and, and just just get it under wraps because you don't want that picture then coming out and then people being like, oh my God, you know, that's, you know we should have seen the signs because they look like a serial killer. It's like any time that there's a... I don't know, any kind of story about some kind of lecherous boss or some kind of, any kind of, you know, dodgy dealings, they always have to try and find a picture in the paper of the person in question looking as dodgy as they possibly can. Um, it's, it's the same reason that I don't uh, put a lot of pictures of myself on Facebook because there's loads, whenever somebody gets murdered they always have a picture from their Facebook. It's always a picture of them on a night out, and you think, they, they, a family member didn't give that photo to them. That photo is publicly available on Facebook. Um, and so anytime I put a picture on Facebook, I always have to run it through the filter in my head of, if I died, would I be happy that this was the picture that they were showing of me? Um, so it's only only pictures um, that I put up on Facebook are ones where um, I, I've got my arse out. Um, just, you know, best foot forward and all that. Oh, electronic music. That's, it's just a wonderful thing, isn't it? It's just something uh, wonderful and invigorating, but at the same time relaxing um, about that. It's wonderful. Um, we're going to... Because obviously that, that previous one was a little bit uh, macabre. It was a little bit of a macabre story. So we're going for um, a, uh, a slightly more light-hearted one now. Headline puts it all out on Front Street. This is the reason why we should never clean the inside of our ears. Doctors warn us against... 
Doctors warn us against, and we all know we shouldn't do it, and yet many people still clean their ears with cotton buds. Now, they're talking as if this is fairly common knowledge, but that's not... I don't know. This is the first that I've heard of it. I mean, I know that you're not supposed to push it in too deep, but you need to clean your ears, surely, still. Let's, Let's read on. It's easy to dismiss advice against using cotton swabs in your ears if you've already done it hundreds of times before and lived to tell the tale. Believe it or not, though, that habit can make ears can make ears blockages ear can make ears blockages that should be ear blockages worse and even give you a hearing problem when we put cotton buds in our ears it pushes the wax down the ear canal towards the eardrum and impacts it if this build up of ear wax pushes against the eardrum it won't vibrate as well and therefore can reduce your hearing and here's the here, fucking hell here is the here's the claim here's the the boldest claim made so far. Even more bold than Coronation Street actors asking for Swarovski diamonds. Besides, there should be no need to clean our ears at all as they are, quote, self-cleaning, according to Oxford University Hospitals. Now, that's bullshit. Because what they're talking about is, like, oh, it's a self-cleaning thing. That wax is there, you know, that's to, to clean the ear. That's to keep dirt out of our ears and stuff. It's the same thing with your hair. Like, technically, you don't need to wash your hair because the grease in your hair is designed to kind of keep your hair clean and keep it whatever. But that's just not on, is it? I mean, A, this is saying... I think this is saying what I thought before, that you shouldn't push them too far in. But B, like... Try and explain to my wife that I'm never going to clean my ears again. Try and explain to her that she has to sit next to me in the cinema, maybe. And just know that if she looks over, she's just going to see this big yellow explosion coming out of my ear canal. And when we say ear canal, it's got a couple of very handy photos here that look like the fucking end, that look like Jeff Goldblum at the end of The Fly. So I'm going to scroll down from them because they're friggin' disgusting. Um, and it has the nice little bit of... Uh, Advice right at the end as well. If you do experience an abnormal build-up of earwax, the best thing to do is to have your ears cleaned out by your GP. Who's going to go to their GP and say, hey, um, clean my ears out, cheers, would that be all right? Thanks so much. Nobody's going to do that. Nobody's going to do that. Except some people will. Because any time you say nobody would ever do that, there's always some scumbag who's going to say, why should I do it? Why should I do it? It's a fucking GP's job, isn't it? I'm not going to clean my fucking ears. Their job. You can do it. Um, which is, of course, another fantastic reason um, for all you kids out there to become a GP. I went with a, an 8-beat one there rather than the 4-beat ones of the previous one. I think it's nice. I think it's nice having a little bit of little bit more of a gap there between listening to my voice endlessly droning on. Um <coughs> Excuse me. So we've got, we're going to finish up the news now um, on a story of discrimination, I'm afraid. Um, again, as with much of the news, uh, this has been fairly depressing. But hey, that's the world. And if you can't handle it, well, then do what anybody else does and get on drugs. Um, I'm just going to dive in. I'm just going to dive in. A chef has blasted customers who ask not to be served by an autistic waiter for their, quote, socially unacceptable and discriminatory behaviour. Mike Jennings, who owns Grenache Restaurant, was so shocked by the incident that he and his partner Karen felt they, quote, had to make a stand. 
He explained that a group of diners shunned waiter Andy Forster, who suffers from autism, quote, even though his service was good. I explained that he suffered from autism and their response was that they didn't want to be served by him. They asked me why I would give a job in a restaurant like ours. Give him a job in a restaurant like ours. I couldn't believe it. Andy, 45, started working at Mike's restaurant in Walkden near Manchester three weeks ago and has to balance his job with being a registered carer for his mother who has Alzheimer's. Now, very sad about that. That's a big shame. Alzheimer's for me is absolutely one of the three worst things in the world. It's, it's been a long-held belief that the three worst things in the world are rape, cancer and Alzheimer's. That's something that I've decided that's something that I'm absolutely standing by. Um, and so to have to, to look after your mum who has Alzheimer's, obviously my heart goes out to him. What I would say is that has fuck all to do with this um, and is only there just so you can't possibly not be on his side and just to kind of set him up as like this poor guy who's been picked on. Obviously he has been picked on and he has got out, uh, autism, which is a shame, but like that uh, uh, doesn't, doesn't need to happen. Does not need to happen. Mike said, quote, the incident really knocked his confidence and we had to take him to one side and let him know that we certainly didn't feel that way. All we care about is someone having enthusiasm and passion. The rest we can teach. Andy, who was diagnosed with autism seven years ago, said, I always feel that it's automatically my fault when I go into defence mode. I always think I have to apologise. When I apologised to the customer, she made such a fuss. The other table I was serving left a big tip, so I knew it wasn't me. I try not to take it personally because it's happened so many times in the past, I've just got used to it. Mike, whose fine dining restaurant is Michelin recommended and has two AA rosettes for culinary excellence, took to Facebook two days ago to tell people who have a problem with Andy not to come to his restaurant. In a post, he said, We employ staff based on experience, knowledge and passion for the job. We do not discriminate. If you do, then please do not book a table at Grenache. You do not deserve our time, effort or respect. The post has been liked and shared by hundreds of people who support the restaurant's decision to back Andy. Um... It has the quote, the, the, the post in, um, in full, uh, blah, 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 passion for the job, not the colour of their skin or the way they look, how many tattoos they have, their dress size, religious beliefs or illness. Wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Discrimination is an awful thing. Shouldn't happen. Um, and if these people are being dicks, as it sounds like they probably were, um, good riddance, terms of fuck off and well done him for taking a stand. Right. <laughs> having said that if you're anything like me and you read that story there's 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 a there's a gap there there's a gap there that's filled with something that happened that i really want to know what that seems fairly pertinent to me so the timeline is that we have from the the news story that these people this group of diners walk into grenache restaurant and then the owner uh, and he's wearing the chef's white, so I assume he's the he's the head chef as well. Um, explained to them that he suffered that their waiter suffers from autism. Now I can't imagine that a guy who is as anti-discrimination as he is would say that to everybody because that seems like it's setting him up to be a, to to fall. He's setting him up to to kind of not. Um, you know, to, to, to be discriminated against because people are like, well, oh, so this guy's autistic, autistic, okay, right, I need to treat him slightly differently. Or surely a guy who's against discrimination in the way that he is wouldn't feel the need to explain that to everybody. So what that says to me is that something's happened. 
that they've had some reason to talk to the head to, to the owner, the head chef, about their waiter. Now, obviously, I don't know what that is because it's you know it's not in the news story, but I feel like it was something. I feel like it was something. For somebody, unless he's wearing a badge or something that says I'm autistic, they shouldn't really know that he's autistic. Now, aut- <laughs> it's, I just I feel like I'm playing devil's advocate here, and I feel like I do this quite a lot. Um, my, my wife's probably quite weary of it all, but I feel like in stories like this, and I, this is not to say that it's a you know that they're any, in any way wrong for, for doing what they did, but I just want to know the whole story. Because I feel like in a situation like this, and with the son obviously mentioning that he's a carer for his mum who has Alzheimer's, they're set, like this is a classic good guy versus bad guy situation. This is a, a, a poor guy who's got, is it a condition? Is it a disease? I think it's probably a condition, autism. Um, and some people have been dicks to him. So that's like instant, simple, good guy, bad guy. Everyone's happy. So I, I, I didn't really know that much about autism, so I looked up autism, and it's great. You know you know that this is a serious story because they've got a picture of the, the chef, I guess his partner, and the waiter, and then another picture with just the waiter and the chef. And you can tell it's a serious story because then none of them are smiling. It's a classic son tactic of like, if it's like, oh, I found a, a, a chicken's foot in my KFC They've got to have a picture of the person holding up the chicken's foot, holding up a box of KFC popcorn chicken and just looking like super serious. Like, oh my God, this is what I found in the fucking thing. Um, Yeah, I don't really know that much about autism, so I had a little look up. I had a little look up. Because absolutely, you should not discriminate against somebody who's capable of doing a job just because of of extraneous circumstances. And as, uh, what's his name, Andy? Mike. His name's Mike, the chef. We don't discriminate against somebody for being a waiter based on the colour of their skin. Absolutely. The colour of your skin has absolutely no bearing on their ability to do the job. The way they look, similarly. It's got no bearing on how they, uh, how they act, how they do the job. How many tattoos they have. That's just the way they look, so that's fine. Their dress size. How fat somebody is. In some ways, if somebody was a little bit on the larger side then that might work better as a waiter because then it's like somebody, um, you know, working in a hairdresser's with a wonderful haircut. You think, well, they're, you know, they really believe in their product. Uh, religious beliefs, again, I mean, unless it's, you know, somebody who doesn't really want to handle, doesn't want to serve pork or something. I know that some religions have weird stuff about pigs um, because they're apparently unclean. So there's that. I don't know, that might if that interferes with it, if it's, you know, a, a greasy spoon, then there's going to be a lot of bacon flying around. So maybe that's something to keep in mind. Or illness. Now, absolutely ca- cannot agree more that people shouldn't be discriminated against if they're able to do the job. However, however, autism, and again, I don't know that much about autism, so I had a little look up by Googling the word autism. Uh, and it's come up with a little bo- box on the side that says symptoms. Right, let's see what the symptoms are. Behavioural, people may experience behavioural, inappropriate social interaction, poor eye contact, compulsive behaviour, impulsivity, repetitive movements, persistent repetition of words or actions, or self-harm. Now for me, there's maybe a couple of ones in there that would affect, that would interfere maybe with the quality of a waiter. Maybe qualities that that would work in opposition to somebody being a good waiter. 
Um, inappropriate social interaction. It's very vague about that. That could be, I mean, what could that be? That could be just placing your hand on somebody's face as they're talking. Could be that. Could be poking them. Could be having a little grope of their boobs. Could be um, swearing loudly. Could be having a little fart. Having a little fart as you stand by taking somebody's... I mean, that's an inappropriate social interaction, sure. Um, I'm, I would be a little bit, you know, maybe a little bit put off by that. Poor eye contact is obviously, it's, it's an ideal. Ideally, you'd like a very kind of switched on attentive um, waiter. And if they're not making eye contact with you, then it kind of makes it feel a little bit more like they're a servant, which always makes me uncomfortable. Like when you go to a, maybe a slightly fancier restaurant and people are like, is there anything I can get for you? Can I do this for you? Is there anything I can do? And you kind of feel like, you're not my servant, dude. Just like, uh, that's, that's, it makes me uncomfortable. The one that stuck out for me is self-harm. If my waiter is cutting themselves at my table, that's going to put me off. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that that's what Andy did. I'm not necessarily saying that he was, that he was you know, cutting himself on his arm. All I'm saying is that I would like to know what he did. I'm sure it was nothing. I'm sure it was something very, very small that led them to speak to Mike about, like, what's going on with this waiter. But I kind of feel like if you're a journalist and you're reporting a story, you want to report the proper story, the whole story, give people every angle, because it seems very much like they're, you know... They've got their agenda here, and that's what they're going for. Um, but yeah, if you're in the Manchester area, um, and you're, you 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 like your um, food um, with a, a you know a side helping of um, non discrimination, give it a try. Although I would discriminate against it personally because it's used papyrus um, for uh, all of its fonts on its wall and on the the things outside. Do you know what I mean? Like there's a there's a million fonts out there, literally a million fonts, I reckon. Don't use the one that's you know comes with every version of Word. Just think outside the box, guys, and don't discriminate. That was nice, wasn't it? I like that. Um, so that's the end of the news. That's the last um, uh, news item that we're doing today. Um, I thought that was good. I thought that was quite fun. I enjoyed it, even if you didn't. Not that you said you didn't. I, that's quite a negative, assuming that you didn't enjoy it. I mean, you've listened to this point, so you must have enjoyed it. <coughs> um, I'll probably won't do as many in future, maybe just a couple of them, because I've done fucking 45 minutes there. Um, but yeah, I thought that was fun. Um, we're going to do um, a quick gold, silver, bronze now. It's not going to be the longest gold, silver, bronze in the world, um, because it's a fairly trivial subject matter. But it was inspired by something earlier um, uh, that we were talking about, so I thought it was important to put it in. Um, so yeah, let's dive in with it. Gold, silver, bronze. Mother Hubbard. Gold, silver, bronze. Here we go. Um, this is going to be a, a quite contentious one. Hopefully, it will spark a lot of um, uh, thoughts and considerations in your mind uh, as you're listening. We are doing gold, silver, and bronze of cakes. Um, I made the analogy earlier that um, uh, to to not to. I mentioned cake earlier, and so now that got me th- thinking about cake. And so I was thinking, right, what are my favourite cakes now? Ground rules. We have to have some ground rules here because, as anyone will know, as you all know, when you start talking about 
um, if you're looking for definity, if you're looking for um, absolute specificity and you're entering into the world of desserts, you've got another thing coming, my friend. One of my um, choices uh, will be highly contentious um, and I'll explain it uh, in due course. But when we're talking about, th- this is gold, silver, bronze for cakes. Now I need to say what I'm not talking about there. I'm not talking about fairy cakes, little cakes like cupcakes. I'm not talking about muffins. I'm not talking about... Um, Pies, not talking about strudels, I'm not talking about any kind of pastries. This is about cakes, things that could feasibly be a birthday cake, let's say. That's what we're talking about here. Anything else is is another debate for another time. And it's a debate that I'm confident I will have because I I have a very sweet tooth and I love uh, talking desserts. So um, that's something that will come up later on. But for now, for today, for this moment in time that we're existing... We're talking about cakes, right? Big, beautiful, delicious cake tin cakes. Honourable mention, we've got to go with the granddaddy of them all, um, Victoria Sponge. It's a classic combination. Um, nice, simple um, sponge, jam, cream. It's a classic. It's a winner. Maybe not as exciting um, as some others, which is why it's not on the list, but absolutely an honourable mention. If someone wants to give me a Victoria Sponge right now, I would absolutely destroy it i would absolutely muller it because it's about quarter past three i haven't had any lunch i didn't actually have any breakfast either so i'm really craving some cake um so that's the honorable mention right let's get into it proper bronze medal for cakes is chocolate cake now it's a class i'm not a huge uh chocolate flavored person (laughs) i mean I, i don't taste at all like chocolate um but and there's there's probably an element of um, autobiography in this as they as it is with anything you know you're bringing your own there's not a, a kind of uh, an objective um, thing of what the best cake is or what the best anything is really um, uh, unless you're going with some kind of statistical categories that I can't be bothered to go into but otherwise you're bringing your own experiences and your own feelings and your own life um, into your decision making uh, and my mum God bless her makes for me, the ultimate chocolate cake. Now, the reason for this is it's got a very light sponge. I mean, because a lot of chocolate cakes can get very, very heavy when you bring in a kind of a ganache kind of topping or cream in the middle of it. Um, it can become very, very heavy uh, and very rich. And that's something that the older I've got, I mean, I used to be able to just absolutely demolish any kind of rich or, or sickly food and just beg for more. But the older I get, the more that kind of puts me off. When I see a, a cupcake with a massive amount of icing on the top, I just think, well, I'm not going to eat the icing. I don't want it. It's not interesting to me. It's, it's just going to make me feel ill. Um, whereas my mum makes a very, very light chocolate cake, which is wonderful, like very light sponge. Uh, and the the she, she, there's like a vein of, of delicious, like moist creamness in the middle. Uh, and then it's covered with a different kind of chocolate that kind of um, that hardens um, when exposed to the air. So you've got a, a nice bit of kind of crisp um, crunchiness uh, on the outside. And it's honestly that with a cake fork. And this is something that I can't stress enough. Cake should be eaten with cake fork. If you're doing anything else, then you're practically a Neanderthal. And I, you know, there's no arguing that. Cake should be eaten with cake forks. Um yeah, that and a big glass of milk, I'm absolutely over the moon. Absolutely over the moon. So, um, yeah, bronze medal, chocolate cake. My mum's chocolate cake. Can't be your mum's chocolate cake, I'm afraid. It's my mum's chocolate cake. My mum is better than your mum. Um, silver medal, here's where the controversy 
controversy comes in. Um, we've got a little bit of controversy coming in over the silver medal um, choice. It is banana bread. What, Dan? What did you say? Banana bread. Banana bread. Banana bread. But I thought you said you were talking about cakes and not anything else. Absolutely, I did. However, um, a little bit of Googling reveals there's a big... There's this whole thing of like cakes versus breads versus quick breads, which is things that are leavened with uh, any uh, some kind of other bollocks that I, I don't understand because I don't bake. Um, I don't know whether this is... Tech- I mean, there, there was mention of banana cake... I don't know if I've ever had banana cake or whether it's, you know, you take a banana bread mixture and you pour it into a cake tin as opposed to a loaf mould and it becomes a cake. I don't know what it is. All I know is I go insane for banana bread. Um, uh, one of my wife's friends, Ray, uh, makes a particularly delicious uh, banana bread, uh, as does her sister, Charlie, um, makes a, a wonderful um, banana tasting thing. And it's kind of got that wonderful, because banana tasting stuff, is one of those things like um, like bubblegum flavouring. Like it has its own flavour. Bubblegum flavoured stuff doesn't really taste like bubblegum. It tastes like bubblegum flavoured stuff. And the same thing is like banana flavoured sweets or whatever don't taste like bananas. They taste like banana flavoured things or banana milkshake or whatnot. Um, but banana bread and banana cake, I feel, has, has that kind of that mix. It tastes like both bananas and banana flavoured things. Um, and again, it's, it's moving away from wanting things to be particularly heavy it has that fruit in there that makes it a bit lighter um and again if you want to incorporate some kind of creaminess uh, around that then that's um more power to you and also you could you could put a little bit of chocolate in there put a little bit of chocolate chocolate and banana is something that i feel like works quite well um so absolutely feel free um if you're making these um for yourself i don't know why you would be but if you are then yeah consider adding a bit of chocolate to it um so that's the silver medal gold medal and this will be the gold medal like we mentioned before about muffins. We mentioned about um, flans and strudels and pastries and pies and tarts. Um, pretty much at the top of any dessert, for me, is apple. Um, apple is the quintessential dessert fruit. Um, and it just, it just works wonders. Absolute wonders. Um, I've only made one... Um, with my wife, one um, actual like big kind of cake tin cake in my life, and it was an apple and caramel cake, um, and it looked like shit, but it tasted like God's feces. It was just amazing. Just ah, oh, I could have eat it. It was the kind of thing where you have a slice of it, or you finish the whole thing, and you genuinely get annoyed that there's no more of it left for you to eat. It was that delicious. Um, so yeah, I mean, apple pie would be at the top of the pie list. Apple crumble, top of the crumble list. Apple strudel, top of the strudel list. Um, flans and tarts. and Just something about apple, a little bit of cinnamon maybe, a little bit of caramel, um, will absolutely wipe the floor um, with any other uh, dessert fruit. And it, that's, I think that's what, it's, it's the secret weapon, it's the absolute granddaddy of desserts, uh, is apple and apple flavouring. Again, you get that kind of Bramley apple, like apple pie filling with uh, crappy shop-bought um, apple pies that I love. I used to get them from Tesco for like 30p for six. Oh my goodness, it's absolutely amazing. Um, that kind of apple flavouring either, it doesn't matter. It's all, just as long as it's apple and it's cake-based, get it in my face. Um, so yeah, uh, gold, silver, bronze. Uh, we've got the bronze medal for chocolate cake. Uh, Silver medal for banana bread and gold medal has to be 
apple and caramel cake. Um, do you agree? Do you disagree? Let me know. Eat some cake. Have some fun. Live your life. And uh, kiss someone you fancy. And there we go. Um, I was going to do a bit more, but it turns out that that's almost an hour and I don't really want to go much over an hour um, because I kind of feel like, you know, there's only so much uh, time in the day to listen to uh, a dickhead talk about bollocks. Um, So, yeah, we'll call it a day there. But uh, thank you so much for listening. Um, Really do appreciate it. Um, If you enjoyed it, let me know. Um, Somebody, uh, a, a young man by the name of Rob Niven, um, sent me a message, uh, who I know, I mean, it's not like, you know, somebody random, um, <clears throat> sent me a message to say that he was, uh, he was listening to one of the shows by accident. He did say it was by accident. He was just listening to, uh, songs on his iPod at random. And one of my, uh, podcasts came on, but he said he thoroughly enjoyed it and it bloody made my day. Um, so yeah, if you enjoy it, let me know. That'd be great. Um, on the Facebook thing or the whatever, or, um, yeah just search for Dan Swan I don't know there'll be something out there Um, but yeah thank you so much for listening come back and uh, listen next week I'm really going to try and make this a weekly thing I don't think it's too much to ask to get a weekly thing out and release it over the weekend Um, I don't think that's too much work to do so I'm going to try and do it weekly Um, so yeah come back and listen to um, uh, the next one Um, and until we speak again have a lovely time be kind to people because you know otherwise everything goes to shit (laughs) 